Welcome to We Got This Covered's Cinemaholics, the weekly movie review talk show where John Negroni and Will Ashton discuss the biggest and best films coming to theaters. So sit back, relax, and pour one out for the two and only Cinemaholics. Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, the official podcast of WeGotThisCover.com. I am your cinema host, John Negroni, from the internet California and live from the internet Pennsylvania. He's the architect of your cinematic satisfaction, Will Ashton. All right. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting used to the different uh, introductions to me, and each one is a little more different, so I'm excited to see where this goes. Yeah, at least you get some change, man. Mine's just like Mavericks <laughs> right. in a Dungeon. Speaking of right. which, <laughs> sitting across from me with tears in his eyes because he's finally been let out of the broadband basement. See, told you. Maverick Hines. Yeah. You know what? I'm not going to give- validate your intro by me going like, hey guys, what's up? I'm here. I'm just going to talk to Will and be like, hey man, I'm really jealous of your intro. I think it was a good time. Maverick, do you want me to introduce you? Yeah. No, Will, <laughs> go ahead. Introduce me right now. Go. All right. He's the man you know, but uh, I, hold, hang on. Let me think of one. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I just started talking and I didn't even... He's the man you... Wait, who is this man? <laughs> What's your last name? Like, yeah. <laughs> It's Hines. Yeah, I, I know who Maverick Hines is. Yeah, come, come on, on, dude. Give me some credit. Because he sees me as someone who's not just a broadband basement resident. And it's not Hines spelled like the ketchup way. No, it's Hines spelled like a last name way. No. it's. I think the underwear brand is spelled that way. That's Hanes. Haynes? <laughs> you have to keep that in. You cannot edit out that you just said Haynes was... Yeah. Oh, wait. I'm editing. Okay. You're done. Are we uh, going to do the podcast? <laughs> so, uh, we are talking about a couple of big movies for our feature reviews. So, we're doing something a little different. Usually, we ramp up, but we have two big movies we want to talk about this week. You know, for the weekend of July 14th, uh, the two big releases are War for the Planet of the Apes, directed by Matt Reeves, uh, which is, of course, the final movie of this big prequel trilogy that uh, kind of took the world by storm in 2011 with Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And uh, we're also going to talk about The Big Sick, which is a movie that we've been teasing that we're going to review for a while now. Uh, all of us have seen it. You have seen it, Will, right? I haven't even confirmed with you that you have seen it. Yeah, I saw both of them today, so I'm excited. I can talk about these movies now, finally. This is fantastic. And uh, Will, you know, so I, for many reviews, I'm going to be talking about a ghost story. Uh, Maverick is going to be talking about the stand-ups. Yeah, and, and, and another comedy special I saw this week. Oh, great. Yep. Yeah, surprise, surprises for everybody. Yeah, and uh, Will, what are you doing for many reviews this week? Uh, I can do Loaded, and if we have time, I'll talk about Lady Macbeth. See, yeah, yeah. See I, I was goes. hoping you were going to talk about Lady Macbeth, because I read your review of Loaded, and it just is kind of like a drag. So, I'm a little bit... I actually want to see Lady Macbeth. The you, the review was a drag, or the show was a drag? The show. The review was... Okay. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. All right. <laughs> well, we don't... Because we're doing two featured reviews, let's just get right into it. So, War for the Planet of the Apes... We'll go around and we'll talk about like what we think of the whole trilogy. Mavic, for example, just saw all of the movies in one week, um, culminating in, of course, this new one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a long film. It's over two hours, PG-13, uh, which, you know, some people have said maybe this should have been an R film, but that's debatable. Uh, the synopsis yeah. is... Caesar and his apes are forced into a deadly conflict with an army of humans led by a ruthless colonel. After the apes suffer unimaginable losses, Caesar wrestles with his darker instincts and begins his own mythic quest to avenge his kind. 
Uh, the film stars, of course, Andy Serkis, who's been Caesar throughout all of these movies. Uh, amazing motion capture work in all of them, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Also stars Woody Harrelson as the Colonel, Steve Zahn as a new character named Bad Ape, and a host of other characters. Uh, it really is a fantastic cast. Um, a little underutilized, I'd say, for a couple of actors, but for the most part, a uh, fantastic uh, group of uh, group of performers here. This is a great team from 20th Century Fox putting this movie together, but I, th- I think it's time, to, it's time to talk about War for the Planet of the Apes. This is a movie that's been hotly anticipated. Critics have been loving it, and uh, it's a movie that Will Ashen and I, I, I think, it, between you and me, this franchise, we have differing opinions on. So let's start with you, Will Ashen. What did you think of War for the Planet of the Apes going in as, uh, I believe, somebody who likes, who really likes these movies? Yeah, I mean, I put War of the Planet of the Apes in my top three from summer. It was, you know, for the whole summer I was leading up to it, I was really looking forward to this movie because, like you said, I really am enamored by these new Planet of the Apes films. I thought Rise of the Planet of the Apes was honestly one of the best surprises I've got from a blockbuster in this decade. Uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, I, I need to, like, say them slowly because I always feel like if I say them too fast, it'll be, like, a jumble. But, yeah, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes was, I thought, in my opinion... Almost as good, and actually, as I was rewatching these movies, I actually think Dawn is a little bit better. I know you're going to contest that, John, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think these movies are really good, and I just recently walked out of War of the Planet of the Apes, and I'm still kind of mulling over what I think about it, because I definitely like the movie. It's a strong, you know, conclusion to this trilogy, but it's it's a very bleak and oppressive movie, potentially so, but I'm still mulling over whether or not it's good bleak, or if it's just kind of bleak for the sake of bleak. I think it's a little bit of both. So I'm going to let you talk for a bit, because I'm still, like, I'm, this is one of those times where I'm still kind of thinking my thoughts. I'm kind of swirling the drink in my hand what, while I'm... When did you see War for the Planet of the Apes? Like, three hours ago. Oh, I th- <laughs> see, I thought you had seen it like a week ago. I misunderstood a comment you made earlier, but okay. Um, I will say that I do, I, I do think that Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, it, it's not my favorite, but I do get why everybody loves it. I, I think it is a very tense fantastic movie i just don't really like the human co-leads in that as well and i think that it's a little uh i don't know i think it was a little it was more formulaic i think rise of the planet of the apes was so surprising and different and it just took me to places i wasn't expecting so that's that, i kind of give it a lot of credit because it was the first one and uh but i do understand I mean, sure Donna, and- but Donald the planet of the apes has apes on horses firing machine guns so that's pretty great right no i was gonna i was gonna say like before yesterday before we watched these movies i would 100 percent said rise of the planet of the apes is the better film but rewatching it i was more aware of the flaws like i think james franco is pretty miscast in the lead role. I just don't think he quite gets that role 100% right. And I think the, like, homages to the original Planet of the Apes feel a little more obvious and a little more, like, uh, forced than they were in the other movies, or the, yeah, the other two movies where I'd say they the, were able to kind of be their own things. I think the first one, to me, felt the most independent from the original Planet of the Apes because I, I thought that the, you really were starting to see the references in Dawn and in this one, War, but I, maybe that was just me. Um in uh, what way, though? Um, like besides, like the beach scene. Well, I think Dawn of the Planet of the Apes had very overt, like character arcs that were straight out of the original Planet of the Apes. You know what I'm saying? Because and, and also like the themes of everything was getting a little bit more good. Rise felt like its own story. Like it didn't feel as attached. Like when I was watching Rise, I wasn't thinking of the original Planet of the Apes, basically. But okay. in both Dawn and War, I was constantly thinking about like a different movie. You know what I'm saying? And that's kind of why yeah, but it'll probably always remain my favorite, the first one. I think I was talking more like there's like very direct references to the uh, original Planet of the Apes in Rise. Like they have like the well, yeah. hands off me and like stuff but like it's that not, feels more forced. Like I feel like 
it wasn't like he was it wasn't part of the plot uh, though man it was like it was just little tiny easter eggs whereas i feel like the other two movies were very influenced by the original movie in some ways a really good sure, way, but but i feel like if you were to watch dawn of the planet like if you had not watched the original planet of the apes and you've only seen rise before it i don't think that would have distracted you but if you saw rise of planet of the apes like you would everyone knows you know the line get your sticking can't a pause off me you damn dirty ape like everyone knows that line like the like there's little things like that i think that they rob the references are a little more overt i think to the point where they make them obvious to even like someone who's like maybe even like a casual fan of the series at most that's more what i'm talking Which i about. thought was fine but okay back yeah. to the war for the planet of the apes um yeah i feel like we've gotten into it maverick walk us through uh you know you've, you've seen all three movies and i'm really curious to get a perspective from somebody who's you know really fresh to this i've had a great week with this collection of movies um we saw it on thursday so on yeah. tuesday i was like i'm gonna watch rise wednesday i'm gonna watch dawn and then thursday we're gonna go see the movie so i watched them all in uh in sequence and um i have to say i the, i didn't see them when they first came out because i just i just wasn't interested i don't know what it was about the first trailer but it just seemed to me like another like kind of like half-ass action movie that just wasn't going to be that interesting to me so i sure. just i just wasn't I had no interest in, in going to see these, spending my money, so I just didn't. So I watched them for the first time this week. That's important to say, too. This is my first time going through these. Um, love them. I, I'm kind of mad at myself that I didn't watch these earlier because I wish I could have watched them multiple times le- sure. leading up to this. I, I, I really enjoy all three movies in, in this collection of movies. Um, I think they're all, like like you guys both said, there are some really good like original stuff. There's a lot of independent um style in this that i think is really good um as far as which one i like between the first two uh i think i'm i'm in the majority and i I very much prefer dawn over rise but i remember after you saw it you were you were definitively like oh dawn oh yeah well i i think i think dawn's like i like dawn better as a movie but i still really really appreciate how good rise is for what it is you know like like you said for being the first one of the you know trilogy for kind of setting the tone yeah. for what what these really really awesome movies are, um, so I'm not saying I don't like. And Rise. we and I'll say real quick, I, we asked you Cinemaholics on our Facebook page which one you liked. Every, most people said Dawn, yeah. But I remember somebody who did say Rise was like Rise is like the heart, you know, the mm-hmm. heart movie. Dawn is like a very good action film, so it is a little hard to compare. Them. Yeah, yeah, they're, right. they're very different vibes in the movies, but I just I, I think Dawn did such a good job of even though like you said it might have been a little bit formulaic it. it I didn't guess the ending as much as I thought I was going to. Mm. It wasn't as predictable for me. Um, I'm pretty good at predicting. I really, really thought that the uh, uh, the bad guy in the human group, I can't remember his name, was going to like start Spoilers. the war for I Don? Guess, I guess. I don't... Is it, for it's the two spoil- people who would care. Yeah, well, I don't care. Go see the movie. That's <laughs> for 30 seconds. Yeah, anyway, so I, I thought for sure that, that he was going to be the person to start this. You know, I was convinced of it and they did such a good job of making it. So this kind of plot twist of, you know, the ape actually started this kind of conflict that we're seeing now. So well, kid teasing us. What's, what's war for the planet of apes doing for you? Um, I, I'm kind of in the same spot as Will right now where it's just like, I, I saw it, you know, three days ago and I'm still at a point where I'm like, I just, I don't really, I don't fully have a grip on how I feel about it yet. I, I will say it is my least favorite of the three. Um, I, I think Rise and Dawn are both better and more enjoyable, but I got way too hung up on like simple things in this movie, um, such as a gorilla riding a horse. 
<laughs> there was a conversation on the way back from the movie. We had discussions like, about the how much do Gorilla's Way Google was utilized to yeah, its full so extent. Gorilla's weight like somewhere like uh, 350 pounds or 250 pounds, and then he had a full grown chimpanzee with him yeah. at one point on the back of a horse. That horse running at full speed would have broken its back. It was a lot to take in. I was really like I <laughs> I don't know what it was. I was completely sober, but that like. That stuck with me. That was like a bad... You were talking like you were going through like a bad trip or something. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, but what did you think of everything else? Yeah. Have? So, I mean, other than little stuff like that, um, I, I think War of the Planet Apes is, is a really, really good movie. I think this one, for me, falls into the same kind of issue that I had with maybe like It Comes at Night and some other movies we've seen where the trailer didn't really paint a picture for the movie that I saw, in my opinion. In um, this case, I liked that. But Yeah. And, and it's not like... With it comes at night, you know, we had completely different expectations for what we saw. This one wasn't as severe as that. It's just kind of along those lines. But yeah. I'll wait until I get into those details until we get into the full review. The marketing is, it's funny you bring that up. I only saw one trailer and it was like the one that they kept showing in yeah. the theaters, right? I don't, were there multiple trailers? There were multiple trailers. Were oh, for sure. There were teasers and, you know, mm. my, my rule is I only, I, I only stick to trailers that are like the very first one or whatever they make us watch in theaters, mm. but there's like an official trailer too. I usually avoid because that's the one that usually tells you everything. Yeah. You know, sometimes, sometimes not. Um, yeah. Have you ever seen the planet of the apes? The original? I did when I was like young, Mm. like really young. I haven't seen it since. Um, so I think maybe that's why I might not have enjoyed war as much because I feel like war had a lot of like kind of, you know, like you said, like teasers and hints towards the next one. Right. Yeah. There's some, I mean, Will was talking about direct references. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, obviously I knew the line too, because everyone knows that line, yeah. but you know, there, there were moments in here that I was like, I think that was in the original, but I was like 10 when I saw the original. Yeah. You're watching like Madagascar and he's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's a deep cut too. Like you have to, <laughs> you have to have watched Madagascar and remember a very specific beach scene. Uh, yeah, I, the, the original Planet of the Apes is one of my favorite movies. I revisited the movie a few years ago. I had an uncle who super, super into the Planet of the Apes. He had all the, like the TV series on VHS, and like I remember watching them. And I, I always really liked the concept. It always kind of like disturbed me. And I was at the I was at a weird age when the Tim Burton movie came out, mm. and I watched that, and that movie had no effect on me whatsoever. Really. Yeah, but then seeing Char- the Charles Hester- Charles Hesterton Charles Heston verse, you got it. I cannot say his name. The Heston version, um, the the nineteen sixty eight. Even though I knew like the big plot twist at the very end of it, it still just kind of took me for a loop. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, you kind of forget. Mm-hmm. And um, and well, it, Heston really sells it too. Oh yeah, and it's an amazing performance. Um, yeah, especially compared to Mark Wahlberg, who I mean, I think Mark Wahlberg is fine, but. In the Planet of the Apes remake, he's kind of terrible. Yeah, but if I remember leave, correctly, leave him in Transformers where he belongs. Right. Um, oh, <laughs> come on, he's great in Boogie Nights. Look, give him some. <laughs> I I do love the Wahlberg. I'm just giving a little trouble. I'm still a little bit yeah. sore from Transformers a few weeks ago. Sure. Can I just fair enough? I haven't seen. I haven't yeah. seen. It. Can I just say though, like this was like in the triple peaks of the movie summer season because I mean, starting with. Baby Driver, and then going right into Spider-Man Homecoming, and then going right into The Big Sick and War for the Planet of the Apes. War for the Planet of the Apes is probably my least favorite of all those films. I agree. But my goodness, it's been a fantastic month. Yeah, uh, I, feel June, like, I feel July like we're getting rewarded because like, we had such a stretch of movies that we were just like less than satisfied with, and yeah. now we're just like reaping the mm-hmm. benefits of all that. Yeah, well, and- Transformers did, was not a fun movie to lead into this. 
And if Dunkirk and Valorant are as good as some early reports say, it's going to be a good month all around. Some are saying Val- and Atomic Blonde. Some are saying Valyrian is uh, very mixed. I'm hearing some people yeah. say it's like the best sci-fi movie in decades. Other people saying the exact opposite. So this is going to be one. Of, that's going to be a fun Scandal. episode in the future. But anyway, we're for the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, that's what we're talking yeah. about. My goodness. Um, so in my review that I wrote, I said that it was the best and the worst of the series because there... Yeah, I saw. I was going to ask you about it because I didn't there read There are your a review. flurry of things about this movie that I think completely outshine the first two. And okay. then there are other things where I'm like, the, the first two got that so right. How did you get this so wrong? Uh, I liked hmm. a lot of things about this movie that were... Things I didn't think, like you, you mentioned when you watch the trailer, you don't really expect this to feel like a western, you know, for the first act. That's uh, a great, yeah, I didn't, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, there, there's a moment you get to a moment in, when the second act really kicks off, and you're like, oh, this is what this movie is going to be. Mm-hmm. And I think for the worse, I, I think there is a moment where the second act unfolds, and it's a very long segment of the movie that I won't spoil because one of the things. I called it one of the movie's signature delights are the fact that you really don't know where anything is going for the most part. Some mm-hmm. things are predictable, some aren't. But there is a stretch of the movie where you're like, where is this going? And I will say, it's not a spoiler to say because it's been prevalent in the first two films. The Jesus Christ allegories, they're here. Yeah. They're, they're ready for you. Yeah. Uh, I felt like I was watching a better version of Man of Steel at moments throughout this film. Oh. Yeah. All right, all, right, all that all said, right. uh, but that's some of the things that I think were best. Uh, the, the fact that this movie's main characters are the apes and the apes only, no human co-leads, is both the biggest strength and the biggest flaw of this movie. Mm. Because the, letting the motion capture work be the best thing, the being the focus, smart. It's what we come to see these movies for. I think the human leads have always been pretty weak in the first two films, with the exception of Gary Oldman, because he's never been bad in any movie. Yeah. So, right. But, you know, it's kind of sad because Woody Harrelson in this movie is a bit much. Um, I think that once he really gets Hmm. going, he does not work as a character. Uh, He works as a basic performance, but we'll get into it perhaps in spoilers. That said, uh, yeah, the the idea to focus on the apes, the fact that the technology here is amazing, the fact that uh, Steve Zahn's bad ape is just a fantastic character. Oh, you mean Yoda? Where he should not have been a good character at all. And some people will disagree with this, but I think that his comedic timing kind of saves a lot of scenes. Yeah. And of course, Andy Serkis' Caesar, I, I will definitively say, this is one of the greatest fictional characters of the 21st century. Uh, this totally. journey arc from for, from beginning to finish uh, has really swept me. Um, because I, I've seen parts of the movies as you were watching them, and I, Rise and Dawn are always like really, really in my head. That's why I really like this franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the last thing I'll say that this movie just gets completely right is the score. Uh, Michael Giacchino does something Ooh. with the score that is special. I, I, I have no idea how he was able to create so many beats that are so familiar with each other, mm-hmm. so connected with each other, and yet so distinctive and perfect to the mood and tone that they're serving. So that said... Yeah, what, what, those are all the great things. What, what he did with that, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but what he did with that was, I mean, it, when you when you listen to sound or you know scores and stuff for movies, you listen to each individual track and you think of the scenes. What he did is he wrote one perfect track that just followed a flow, and and for me that's what a score should be. I mean, as you guys know, listeners, that, that that's what I'm always whining about is score. And this it's something score that was, Hans Zimmer does very well. I mean, the score pushed the movie at points. It helped, I mean, it was it was everything for me. It was fantastic. I don't say this lightly, but it it kind of was a better version of one of my favorite scores of all time, which is Inception, uh, which Hans Zimmer did. He took one song and Didn't stretched it, that. slowed it, changed the decibels, changed the pitches to make it 
a, you know, a score that was different in every scene. And I think Giacchino took that idea and kind of perfected it here. Yeah. Uh, we can talk about some of the bad things. I want to hear from you, Will, because I think we might actually be a little bit closer in opinion on this movie than I imagined. But uh, please. Oh, wow. Okay. So what, uh, just in general or something in particular you wanted to talk about? Um, let's start with, uh, let's just start with some of the flaws because we've praised, we've praised the movie quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing that stood out to me was, especially having rewatched the first two films so recently, is that this movie, like the first movie is definitely the most colorful. Like it has some really dark scenes, but it's, it's pretty vibrant overall. The second movie is like a nice mix of two. Like it's definitely a darker film, but it's still like the settings are unique and there's like enough color in there that it, it bounces. This movie is like very, you know, low lighting, very kind of harsh lighting at times. And I think to have to watch that for about, what is this, like 142 minutes long? Two hours and 20 minutes, however that is. It, it's it's a bit like, abrasive, I feel like. Like, it, it, it doesn't really reward you visually, I feel, as much as the other film, which is weird because, like, the action scenes I hear, especially the opening of the movie, is it's like some of the best action I've seen in a long mm. time. Yeah, the over camera shot of the first right. battle, which the movie kicks off with, is masterful. Right. Yeah, totally. It's easily, uh, if not the best directed scene in the series, easily one of the best directed scenes. Not for series. character and work, but yeah, for a- an action set just, piece, I would say that. Right, yeah, totally. It, like in like a Saving Private Ryan kind of way. Like mm-hmm. It's just like the way it's laid out and how it's choreographed. It's definitely Matt Reeves as best. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I do feel like the film kind of, this one more than the other ones, I felt the weight of it more. Not really conceptually as much as just like, the thematics of it, like, it, it just felt so, like it, it was such a long character-driven film, which is what I think I wanted, and it is what I wanted, but I feel like there are times where it just kind of, especially in the middle, like we were talking about, it just kind of didn't really have, like, that zippiness. It just it felt a lot more boggled down, especially, I think, with the Jesus metaphors, like you're mentioning. It just didn't feel quite as enthralling. I feel like that's a big issue for me. I don't to know be if you more agree with that specific, because I do agree, uh, to be more specific, the movie takes a turn with Caesar that is very dark very early, and it fleshes out very well over the first act because when it feels like a Western, you feel that like, you know, that urgency of uh, vengeance that the yeah. character has. I do think that the movie eventually gets to a place where it pays off the Caesar storyline very well, but it just sort of starts to begin a new sort of arc for him in the middle of the movie that I don't think uh, meshes quite as well with what they set out to do in the beginning. So, I, I, in the, my review, I call this like they, they mashed up a lot of tropes here. Uh, this is a Western, and then it becomes a type of movie that I don't want to spoil here. But uh, maybe we will. In yeah, spoilers. it's kind of hard to talk about this movie without spoiling yeah. a lot. Because there are some really nice surprises, and uh, I, I think we've kind of covered. It. Were there any other flaws, Maverick, that you kind of wanted to point out? Um, other than some, like I said, some minor things in physics that don't make sense to me, and some some moments where I feel like human beings would have noticed things happening that they didn't have the know. implausibility. Yeah. Just, I think was, just little things yeah. that were like that for, I mean, cause for me, Dawn and rise did a really good job of making this highly unrealistic situation seem real. Yeah. Right. And I feel like with war, there were more than one moment when there was more than one moment when I was like that, I don't think that would happen. Like, that doesn't seem as realistic to me as maybe the first two did. I will say the motivations of the villains, this Alpha Omega militia group, mm-hmm. made sense to me. Mm-hmm. I understood what they were trying to do, why they were trying to do it. I did not... My least favorite scene in this movie is 
there's a scene where Woody Harrelson give, delivers about three minutes of exposition that are completely unnecessary yeah. because it's a lot of information that we kind of already figured out on our own and it's kind of pedantic and it, it, it makes it, it makes him a little less sympathetic. They try very hard to make the evil characters so evil that you root for the apes, but I think that's what they were going for. They were like, we need to make sure people aren't rooting for humans because that's the fun trick of this movie is that you root against your own species yeah. throughout this movie, which is yeah. amazing. And that's and that's what Rice especially did so beautifully. Mm-hmm. Is that, yeah, I mean, that that's, I think, what really made that secret success is that that movie did so well making you believe that the apes were, like, they were just in having an apocalypse. And it shines a beautiful light on the original movie, which is what I think a prequel should do. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of the best prequel mm-hmm. movies of all time. It's part of what could be the best prequel t- trilogy of all time. Uh, it makes The Hobbit, for example, just look like a bad joke, uh, which it is. So, Got him. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I know not everyone agrees with that, that the Hobbit movies are garbage, but they are. That said... <laughs> uh, I'll agree with you on the third installment. Dang. Anyway, uh... Did you guys have anything yeah. else to add before we start talking about spoilers? I don't think so. Why Cookie Rocket? <laughs> Rocket had a fantastic uh, time in this. Oh, movie. I, w- I will say, I, Rocket is my favorite character of all, of <laughs> just because he reminds me of like like when you go to a lake and you see like the really buff grandpa, and you're like, how's how's that happening? <laughs> That's Rocket for me, and I just he just yeah. seems so happy. All right. Well, we're going to start talking about spoilers, but first, uh, final grades. Uh, Maverick Hines, what do you grade War for the Planet of the Apes? Probably should have thought about this, huh? Um, Sounds like you're still processing. Yeah. Uh, as of right now, with where I'm at, I'm going to give it like a less than excited B. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. B for, well, I guess there's no like primate that starts with B. So I'm going to look it up right now. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and uh, Will Ashton. Yeah, I'm saying with Maverick, I'm a little tentative at the moment, so it might change. But right now, I'm I'm at a B plus. Awesome, uh, I'm at a B plus as well. I think it's fantastic. Is that the first time I've had a lower grade than both of you? No, I don't think so. I think then it comes at you? night. I think you were lower. Yeah, I was gonna say I think it comes at night, but you gave like two ratings for it comes at night, so that may may not be fair. <laughs> What's the average of those two? <laughs> um, but a lot of people are really loving this movie, and I think uh, rightfully so. Uh, and now we can talk about it finally. And spoilers. So if you're listening and you do not want to be spoiled on War for the Planet of the Apes, go to our episode description and make sure you just cut right ahead to our big sick review. Uh, we're not going to spend a ton of time on spoilers, but there are a couple things we want to address. Spoilers start right now. John, would you accept a monkey that starts with B, or is it only primates? Mm, I don't know. That sounds... Baboon, I think, is what we're looking for here. Okay, that works. All right. So right off the bat... I just wanted to ask you one thing. Did you guys get a lot of uh, Logan comparisons while you're watching this movie? I haven't seen Logan, so that means nothing to me. Uh, a little bit because of the fact that, yeah, it, it does take the Western genre and sort of infuse it. I mean, I feel like the ending are almost identical. Yeah, the X and, uh, you know, he's like brought this group of, you know, people to their liberation. Yeah. And like, also, yeah. I think a little girl... Yeah, he, there's this like evil sci- like evil layer place. Like, I mean, I know they're not scientists in this one, but there's like an evil kind of guy who's kind of kooky and has this. I don't know, like not like a hundred percent, but like more than I was expecting going in. Sure, I think because they borrow from the same wealth of you know well of tropes. Right. Uh, I will say, however, the ending here is infinitely better than Logan, in my opinion. I think that okay. not the ending climax. I think the climax is actually pretty weak. Mm-hmm. I think the whole thing with that army swooping in and getting buried by an avalanche was a 
ridiculous. It it just did not work for me in the slightest. However, it it felt like like when screenwriters like they get up against a wall and they're like, hmm, yeah, how is our hero going to get out of this? Right. Well, let's see. They're on a mountain. Eh, avalanche. <laughs> Which I took that as like maybe that was the plan that the colonel had that they were building a wall because they wanted to protect themselves and then trigger an avalanche right. that would destroy the other army. I could buy that. It's just the the fact that a, an army is going to be in the perfect you know part of this valley where they're going to get swept by. It, it was a, it was a lot to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, yeah, the ending scene, the the last scene in this movie gave me chills. I, it swept me it was one of my favorite movie moments of 2017 i don't know about you guys i agree it was great i mean yeah i mean you, you really got to see the depth and the soul that andy circus brought into that performance i feel like a lot of people underestimate andy circus's performance because they're like oh like you can't separate how much he does as opposed to what the cg does and that's why i feel like they've been trying to push more like mm-hmm. behind the scenes stuff especially like for these last two films but I don't know. I, I can't see anyone like watching these movies and not being at least impressed by Andy Serkis's. Absolutely. He yeah. really is. I mean, he's always great, but especially in this role, you just see like, like just like his full potential. And it's, it's just amazing to watch. I really hope he gets recognized somehow by the Academy. Very unlikely, but uh, very deserving. Yeah, he did fantastic. All right. Uh, there were a lot of other things. You'll get a lifetime achievement. Oh, sure. There were a lot of other things that we didn't really get to. I thought, uh, a character who was a bit average for me was the Nova character. A direct reference to the original movie. Mm-hmm. And, y- mm-hmm. you know, I think you kind of bring it up. It was a lot like the Logan thing and didn't work for me 100% of the time. But it was never, it never felt like something that the movie was misfiring on, personally. I just wish they kind of did more with her. It just felt like they never 100% knew what they were doing with the Nova character. Mm-hmm. And they kind of forgot about her, I feel like, for a good chunk of the movie. So they just kind of put her with the other apes and she was just kind of there. I mean, I think the scenes they had her in were great. I feel like if they did more with her, her character would have really resonated. As now, she kind of felt like Newt Light to me. Sure, sure. Yeah, but, I, yeah. I I agree with you on that. Well, I, I feel like during... They kind of... They spent a few months like building her up right when we first yeah. meet her. Yeah. And then for like, you know, a good chunk of that, the climactic parts of the movie, I, like I forgot she was, you know, like important. And then there was a couple times where her character was involved with a lot of my big issues, like with her running around, you know, the, the compound in a very high security area and like not a single guard. Yeah. I noticed. think we spoke on that, the implausibility of how they were able to break out. No one noticed uh, that was very difficult to swallow. Yeah. And I'll just say th- this franchise is building, building it up to be that the apes, the, the apes earn this planet that they overcome right. humanity because they become better than the humans. But this movie kind of puts a hole in that. And it yeah. says, no, they just sort of inherited it by accident, by the fact that the simian flu turned all the humans against each other. And by a stroke of luck, they survive a ridiculous, insane battle. And they don't really fight for it themselves, really. They're prisoners the entire movie. It's a prisoner of war movie. And I did not, I did not love that. Yeah, and that's, that's what I was talking about at the beginning when I was saying the trailer for me, I felt a little bit betrayed by this one just because, I mean, in the, in the title too, right? War for the Planet of the Apes. My immediate assumption is I'm going to go in and I'm going to see, like you said, John, these apes like fight for this planet. They're going to win this. They're going to earn this, whatever. And instead they, they kind of just escaped a bad situation and then an avalanche did the work for them. And then they were like, right. Oh, and then they were good. Yeah. Now. Wander in the wilderness, you know, straight out of Moses. Well, yeah. 
it, it almost makes me wish that the second movie had been called War of the Planet of the Apes and the third one called Dawn. Exactly. Right? Because yeah. this movie ends with, I think, Dawn or at least Dusk. Yeah. Um, that said, I didn't have really anything else to add except that I do, I do still think it's a wonderful movie. It's just, it bothers me a little bit that so many easy things that could have been fixed about this prevent it from being a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And it, it saddens me, saddens me a great deal because it could have been. Uh, it makes me a little bit worried about Matt Reeves as a big blockbuster director at this point, because I'm wondering, was Don a fluke? Um, mm. I don't know, but uh, I I want to uh, be optimistic. For my Cinesober friends and I, what are some other projects that Reeves has been a part of? Well, he's signed on to do the Batman movie. Okay. Cloverfield. Um, before Don, before Don, yeah, there's Cloverfield, but that was in 2008. He did do a film in between Cloverfield and Don, but I don't remember what it was. Okay. So not a lot. Not a ton, yeah. Okay. Uh, and the only film of his that I've really, really liked was Don. And I do really like this one, but yeah, I think that it kind of works in spite of him, perhaps. Did you guys have anything else to add before we move on? Are we going to do all the spoilers? Like, are we going to give away the major twist in the beginning? I, whatever you want to add. Okay. Well, I was, I was just saying, you and I talked about this too. I was surprised that they, uh, they killed off his wife and son so early. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we didn't really talk about and that. And that, I don't know. I think I just expected, uh, what's the son's name? Is his name Blue Eyes or is that just what they call him? I don't no, his name's Blue yeah. Eyes, I think. Yeah, so I was I think I, I wanted him to be a little bit more in this. Um I don't know why, but I just wanted more of that, so I was really caught off guard when that that's just well, it. That's why I found that's why I found really effective though, is that I did not really see that death coming and I felt like that had a real emotional punch to it. Yeah, yeah. I feel bad for I feel bad for Judy Greer because she gets yeah. like the short ends of the stick twice in two different movies. That's what I that's what I really meant by some of this cast is very underutilized here. Right. Um, yeah, and I do think the death was effective for kicking off the plot of the movie, and so much of this movie works for me so well. Mm-hmm. Just up until Caesar discovers the the base, I think that's when it really slows down to a fault, and uh, yeah. a lot of things happen that just sort of felt like a distraction instead of serving the narrative. Um, and we, we never really spoke much on Woody Harrelson. I think the Apocalypse Now references are pretty obvious, especially because they yeah. beat you over the head with it. Yeah. Did it work for you at all, Will? I mean, I have a little pee because I was going to make the Ape Apocalypse Now joke, and then the movie just made it twice. <laughs> they're just like, they're like, they. I think they saw it coming. They're like, you know what? Screw you. We're just going to write this on the wall, and you guys can't have it. Yeah. And it was like, ah oh, man. And that, that that felt a little too on the nose to me. Like a lot of the a lot of the Apocalypse Now references were a little on the nose. And it's also just weird in general that we have two eight movies that borrow heavily from uh, Apocalypse Now this year. If we also yeah, Kong, Kong Skull Island, Island. Uh, the Vietnam War is all our age right now in blockbuster right. movies. Well, I, I will say that one thing that I like that they attempted they didn't really fully deliver on was how you know, the direct references to like a skinhead militia. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, there were some interesting ideas there again, though, never really fully weaponized for this movie. Yeah. I feel like there was a lot of potential in that with how they had painted, you know, like the apes were all called donkey and marked up. And like, I just thought there was a lot there. That's sloppy. They, let's say that. Yeah. Th- there's a lot there that they could have done. Not that I'm, you know, itching for skinhead references, but, <laughs> um, but that it just wasn't capitalized on. All right. Well, we're about to talk about the big sick. Don't go away. We're taking a break. Cinemaholics will be right back. Hey, Cinemaholics. Just a few quick things before we get to the rest of the episode. 
So for those of you who really love Cinemaholics, we would love to have you review the show on Apple Podcasts. This helps us keep the podcast going. It helps keep it on the air. So all you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Stitcher, leave us a review, and don't just tell us what we want to hear. Leave us some feedback. Tell us what you like about the show, what you dislike about the show, and anything else that comes to mind. If you want to leave feedback in any other way, the best way you can do that is by emailing us at cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com. We read all the emails you send us. We try to reply to all of them. And for the ones that we really, really, really want to share with the rest of the audience, we'll we'll read your emails aloud on the show as well. And we love to do that because it's very fun to engage with you listeners. Now, if you want the most direct communication possible with us on the show and uh, to find out what we're watching, what we're going to be watching, and just to kind of hang out with us, well, that's what our Facebook page is for. Our Facebook page is just Cinemaholics Podcast. Uh, there's a link to it in the show notes. Uh, come hang out with us on the page, uh, see what we're talking about and what discussion we're raising. Uh, We really like to talk to you guys on there because it's the easiest way to find out what you guys are thinking about the show and about the movies that we're talking about. And with that, let's get back to the good stuff. Big Sick. Also a long movie. This is a film that is about two hours long. I'm so excited to talk to you all of you about this movie because this is one of my favorite films of the entire year. Uh, It was directed by Michael Showalter. It was written by Emily Gordon and Kumail Nanjiani. This is their passion project. It's a movie that is about their lives. Uh, I I was thinking the other day how uh, this movie is kind of what Friends from College wishes it was. That's a new Netflix series. It's kind of the same, you know, a couple are like creating a a piece of entertainment about their lives. And uh, that show is not very good at all, but this is this is a fantastic, mm-hmm. fantastic romantic dramedy, as I like to call it. it. Stars Camille Nanjiani, Zoe Kazan, Holly Hunter, Ray Romano, a lot of really talented people, including Bo Burnham, in a fantastic mm-hmm. role here. Uh, I, I know, Will, you just saw this movie, but uh, let us yep. know. I mean, I know the hype was pretty the hype was pretty high for you going into this yeah. film, but uh, how did it play out for you overall? Yeah, I mean, like you you. You really nailed it. I mean, the hype was extreme for this movie. I literally heard nothing bad about it. I mean, you guys hyped it up for at least three episodes. (laughs) May last week said it was her favorite movie of last year or this year. Uh, And I, you know, I went in really excited, but also a little nervous. Like, what if I'm like the one person that doesn't like this movie? Again, yeah. (laughs) This happens pretty often. When when was that last time that happened? Oh, gosh. Uh, Put me on the spot, man. I don't keep a list. Sully? Sully, you really did despise Sully. To a, to a point that I thought was a little egregious. <laughs> All right. But anyway, yeah, so enough about that. Uh, yeah, so The Big Sick. I am in your camp, guys. I thought this movie was fantastic. Oh, thank goodness. Will? You, you, could really, you could really just feel the passion and heart and wit. And, you know, it, it's a movie that you can just, like... I mean, it, it's so, the love radiates from this movie so much that you just want to, like, give it a big hug. <laughs> like, it just feels so like warm and inviting and friendly that i mean it's really hard i mean unless you're like a terrible person i think i mean there's i'm sure there's other people may like it for actual reasons but unless you're like a really like cynical person i feel like you you have to love this movie it's just so good i haven't come across a negative review yet uh anecdotally you know i haven't come across anybody who's seen it given it a shot and disliked it now that's to say not a lot of people have seen this movie but uh yeah glad you really like it will i I do not have enough things to say about this that are positive, but 
we're going to actually dissect the movie and talk about what's good and what's bad. Maverick, uh, go ahead. What, what were your thoughts on the Big Sick? Um, Big Sick might be in like top three movies for me since becoming a cinemaholic. Um, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. And a lot of that was because it was completely different than I thought it was going to be. Um, I went in relatively blind. I don't think I saw a trailer. John gave me a very basic, like, it's about, you know, it's a kind of like a romantic thing and it's a comedian. Like, I got a very, very, you know, sure. bare bones description. Well, you, did you not know who Kamal Nanjani was? Um, I knew who he was. I just didn't know his name. Okay. Like, so you watched like Silicon Valley. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I had seen him and stuff, but okay. like that, that was about as okay. far as I'd gotten. I, I've seen like every episode of Silicon Valley, except for like the most recent couple of episodes, yeah. but yeah. So I, as well. So yeah. Anyway, I, I went in relatively blind. Um, I'll have to admit the first few minutes of the movie, when I started to see like kind of what it was going to be, it, it was like, uh Oh, this is like a rom-com. Like I'm not interested in this at all. Um, but then the movie did a fantastic job of absolutely saying, Nope, you're going to love this and you don't have a choice. So, like, <laughs> um, it, it was, it was really, really good. The humor was better than I could have hoped for. Um, like John said, I think Bo Burnham was like an A plus, like definitely it was, he was <laughs> and so neither fun. of us are even fans of his comedy. Yeah. So which is fan- amazing. John and I, again, we rarely agree on things like this, but John and I both really appreciate Bo Burnham as a, an intelligent, funny person. Yeah, we're not going to hate on the guy. Come Don't on. love his stand-up. Never been, you know, I think it's a, it's a very niche kind of like, you have to really like, anyway, that's not what yeah. it's about. But I think Bo Burnham was fantastic in this. Um, and I think all of the, I, everyone was great. I don't really have any bad things to say. I am not a person who's ever been interested in rom-coms in any way. Not my thing. It, I, I just don't care. I've never liked them. I've never been like, oh, it's okay. And I, I loved this movie. Um, there was a lot of... I'd say texture and depth to each character, which, which made it good for me. And again, I'm, I like good, good comedy and there was plenty of it. Well, for me, it's hard to talk about this movie in very specific terms because it has been a couple of weeks since we did see it. And uh, (laughs) we usually, we usually talk about movies when they're, we, we didn't, we wanted to wait uh, partly so that Will could see it. And also because we knew that a lot of you wouldn't be able to go catch this one until this weekend uh, because the wide release just happened. So it is a little hard for me to really dig into the details. I can't remember any of the flaws that I held toward this movie. Honestly, uh, there were they were there and they were more fresh in my head when I saw this. I've, but looking back, there's nothing I want to complain about. I'm just going to refuse to accept I mean, that there are flaws in it. I'm just going to live in like obliviousness over here. You have one to raise, though. Well, I would. No, no, no. I was gonna say like the flaws I could bring up. I don't feel like are like harsh flaws. Like I would say like it's shaggy and like fairly corny, but like I feel like it's endearingly corny and like the shagginess just adds to like the realism to it. So it's like one of those things. Like any even like the stuff that is like technically a flaw, I think actually kind of builds the movie. Sure, if that makes sense. Sure, uh, I think that. I, I do think it's amazing that this movie breaks one of the biggest rules in cinema, which is it introduces two of its most important characters halfway through the movie. Yeah. This is a very dangerous thing to do. Um, however, Ray Romano and Holly Hunter Ooh. bring a performance to this movie that is so perfectly cast, so perfectly written for those two characters that I, I was floored. And I was equally floored by the story that they tell about Camille and his parents, uh, his entire family, really. It tells this story of, it doesn't hold any punches, Mm-mm. right? Because it doesn't wrap things up with a bow. It, it, it is so realistic in the fact that 
not everything that happens for these characters is going to be like a typical romantic comedy where things end in a very pleasant, happy note. That's not a spoiler. The movie is telling yeah. you that. The yeah. movie is telling you this is not that kind of movie. And, right. you know, sure, some things are great. There are some great emotional payoffs here. But the story that it, it tells about a first-generation immigrant, there's a quote that Camille's character says to his parents, I won't say here, that is so poignant, especially for me, because even though, you know, so Puerto Rico is a territory, I, you know, my parents emigrated here technically, but, you know, they, they still had a way of life in Puerto Rico that was very different from the States. They spoke a different language. Coming through that first generation experience, being kind of in Camille's shoes, but to a very different extent, I mean, an absolutely different experience, uh, especially in the fact that there is this, they, they don't refuse to tell you that, yes, he is a Muslim, his family is Muslim, and they live in Chicago, and people think that they're terrorists just by looking at them, mm-hmm. right? And that's, the, the movie's like, yeah, that happens, and it doesn't try to play it off or normalize it. And so, I think the way that they tell that story in an honest way, in a poignant way, and one that I think isn't told in a lot of stories, and is somehow blended perfectly into a movie about a guy and a girl who love each other, but the timing just never is quite right. Uh, there are so many th- great things I can say about this movie. Probably the best thing is that it tackles human experiences that we sometimes overlook and does um, just an amazing job with them. And it's built upon an already steady foundation of great humor and great heart. This is a hilarious movie. I, I, I have laughed more in this movie than I have in any comedy in quite a long time. Long time. I left more in this movie than I have in every stand-up special I've seen in the last, like, four months. <laughs> and those are, like, you know, points. I left more than any joke you've ever told me. Put them all together in this movie. Well, yeah, I'm not funny, so that makes sense. Yeah, every episode of Cinemaholics, I mean, that's getting into the negatives, but yeah. Yeah, we'll get into it. Oh. Um, I was, yeah, I was going to say, no, I was just going to say, there's a lunch scene in this movie that's probably the funniest scene I've seen in a movie. This oh, year. yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to give theater, away what happened. The theater but. lost its mind Yeah, uh, when that happened. Right. That was so good. <laughs> I forgot about it until you just brought it up. <laughs> Kumil's performance in particular, did you guys enjoy him just as a as an actor? Uh, what he was able to do, he does a lot. He does a lot of things in this movie. Yeah, I, I thought he did yeah. great. And it might have been a little bit easier because obviously a lot of this is from personal experience, so it might be easier for him to tap into something that he's kind of been through. A sure, little bit. we can bring up Zoe Kazan, but it, it is different. Yeah, and she's not in the entire movie. However, she does do. I would I believe is a great job of portraying his real life wife. Yeah, uh, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but overall, I, I think I think he did a great job. Um, I have no complaints about his performance at all. Great delivery. Uh, he has one scene in particular that uh, is heart wrenching. Mm. Um, obviously, we can't give away anything to add. Will I, I know that you're probably a, a? I think you've probably seen a lot of Holly Hunter movies. Yeah, I love Holly Hunter, and she is another one of those actresses. I, I cannot think of like a single bad performance by her. Everything I've seen her in, I think she's fantastic. But I mean. To me, I think the performance, like, I mean, everyone in this movie is great. I think the one that really stood out to me, and we mentioned it before, is Ray Romano. Just because, I mean, yeah. like, I feel like he's always been great. Or, well, I'll, I'll not say. It. I mean, I feel like he's been fine. Like, I, I mean, what I've seen of Everyone Loves Raymond, he does a competent job. Well, I've heard the I've TV heard really good... he does more recently is amazing. I just don't watch any of it. But right. Apparently, it's good. Well, yeah, I mean, I heard many great things about Parenthood, mm-hmm. like his turn in that show, which I haven't watched, but I heard it's really good. And I saw a couple episodes of Vinyl, which I remember, like, the show being, like, just kind of cliched and not very good. But every time he was on the screen, I was like, oh, he's, like, doing, like, a legit really good job. Like, I wish, I kind of wish the show was just about this guy. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he, 
really just steps up and gives like you know the performance of his career so far and this and i just think i mean not only that is that i think his performance more than any other i've seen recently like really reminded me of my dad like every, all his little mannerisms yeah, yeah. and all his like quirks and stuff like the only other movie i've seen that like reminded me a lot of my dad is the weatherman which no one talks about anymore uh for no good reviews because that movie's is great Nicolas Cage but, uh, in this case no 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 uh michael Caine. yeah but uh I don't know if you guys seen that movie or not, but no, he's great in this movie, and I thought he brought a lot of sincerity and, uh, you know, just a genuineness to performance. I feel like a lot of actors would have, like, hammed up, and he just made it seem honest and genuine, and I think that's what really made, like, that bedroom scene and a couple of the scenes in the hospital just stand out in a way that I think, like, a non-comedic actor, or, like, a, or like a, maybe, like, a more dramatic actor would have, like, overdone. He just played it straight, and I'm looking forward to also seeing him in uh, the new... Scorsese movie because I guess he's going to be in that too. The uh, the Irishman. Yeah. Oh man, I didn't know about that. That's going to be great. All right. Well. Yeah. The Romano Sons. <laughs> um, I, I fully agree with you. Uh, there's again, there's really not much I want to add here. I, I think that it's just a, a fantastic movie. Uh, it is one that I think you should absolutely watch, especially if you're an adventurous moviegoer who wants to experience something a little different, but also something that is a bit familiar too in a good way. Uh, so check it out. I mean, the big stick. Please support it. This is an independent film. It was made by Amazon Studios, Apatow Productions. Uh, absolutely deserves a watch and then some. Uh, and it's a great date movie. Uh, if you are, especially yeah. if you're in an interracial relationship, you know, it, it's one that I think a lot of people will be able to relate with. That, uh, you know, I think some movies have not attempted, but a lot of movies go for that sort of dynamic. It, mm-hmm. You know, it, it wasn't that long ago in American history that interracial relationships were illegal. You couldn't marry. Uh, somebody of a different mm-hmm. race. And now uh, I think we're finally starting to be a little honest about how the fact that, that there's still some stigma there. And it, it is very nice to see a movie address that in a way that's just, just genuine. That's, you know, sincere and doesn't yeah. talk, you know, doesn't talk down to its audience. So go check it out. The right. big sick final thoughts and grades Maverick. Uh, a for me, uh, no hesitation. is a great movie. Uh, the thing that sold me the most on this is just the fact that I went into it thinking there's no way I'm going to like a rom-com. Like, you know, I had so much stigma with what I thought this movie was going to be and it changed my mind and it was not hard. It, it didn't take very long for me to be like, wow, this is different and this is better. Um, and John, you addressed a lot of the stuff that's, that it's great about this movie. It tackles so many issues, but the, the, if I could sum it up in one thing, it's just, this movie is real. You know, this, this is a real life stuff a real life, you know, problem. And it tackles so many of these, these big struggles that, um, people of different cultures and races and, you know, all that stuff have to go through that. Maybe a lot of us don't, um, experience or understand. So it paints a really good picture without being, you know, like in your face or anything. So I I think it was fantastic. All right. Will, what about you? Yeah. I mean, we didn't even mention, I don't think that this is a Judd Apatow production and, or do we, I said Apatow productions. Okay, cool. Sorry. I must've missed that. But yeah, I mean, this, I think this is just definitely an Aptal production in the best way. Like, it has the realism and kind of the improvisation and, you know, kind of down-to-earth realness to it, but it doesn't overdo it like some of his other movies tend to. <laughs> this is just like, you know, like Maverick says, just a straightforward, deeply felt, you know, massively heartfelt production that tackles things that I haven't really honestly seen in a movie, at least not in a long time. And it does it in a way that's poignant and smart and, you know, heartfelt and, you know, not to address the elephant in the room, but there is kind of uh, some, you know, the immigrants is definitely a conversation in the news right now. And this just does it. It brings up something that's kind of uh, messy and really heartfelt, you know, honest human way. And I think it's important for me to see. And I hope our listeners check it out. I agree. What was your grade? 
Oh, sorry. A-. You always forget. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad because I just like talking about movies, and then I'm like, oh yeah, like have to grade it and be arbitrary. Well, we're we're two for two because I'm an A minus as well. Uh, I think that if I had an, I, there are some nitpicks I have. I, I think that it, maybe it is a little bit too long. I was sort of starting to feel it toward the end. Blasphemy. Um, and I don't love one aspect of the ending uh, that I think it just didn't quite work for me perfectly. There is, there's also a, <laughs> there there is an also like a way that their relationship unfolds that I thought thought was a little overdone, but it's 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 a dumb criticism one not really worth bringing up in the first place uh it's a spiritual a let's say that Uh, i highly recommend you guys check it out please go support this film uh it's fantastic watch cool all right with that uh we're about to go do our mini reviews do not go away cinemaholics we'll be right back all right let's do our mini reviews uh we just have a few for you guys this week because we already had Two big reviews to start out with, but uh, let's first talk about Lady Macbeth. This is a movie I know virtually nothing about, and yet I'm so excited to see this. And Will, you just checked it out, and I'm really hoping you liked uh-huh. it, because I still want to go see it. it uh, it's coming to a theater around here uh, this Friday. Yeah, so this is a movie that I went in having like no idea what it is besides the title. And I thought it was honestly going to be a Shakespeare adaptation, because I didn't watch any trailers or anything. I was just like, okay, maybe just like a revisionist take on the Macbeth story. And without giving anything away, because I really think this is a movie you kind of need to go in as cold as possible. It, it's not that. It's uh, it's kind of weird, twisted, uh, sometimes kind of like darkly and dryly funny movie that follows this uh, newlywed woman in kind of a old Ireland just kind of coming into her own in a very kind of dark and morose way. And it's a movie that really hinges on the lead performance and I'm gonna, I'm blanking on her name. I know her first name Florence, but Nightingale. She is it that Florence Nightingale, right? Uh, that's, Florence. That's a joke. That's okay. I don't know how you pronounce that. I feel bad, but uh, she is just fantastic in this movie. I mean, her transition through from beginning to end is you know right up there with one of the best I've seen in the movies in a long time. She nails the you know sincerity and innocence of her character going up to it and just kind of her promiscuousness leading up to it and then i won't like give away what happens after that but it's yeah i feel weird because i'm kind of walking on eggshells talking about this movie because it's one that i want everyone to kind of go in cold but i want to kind of sell hmm. the movie at the same time so i'll say this much i mean if you if you think this is just going to be a stuffy kind of period piece it's not this is honestly a super entertaining weird like a movie that is just gonna throw you off in a thousand different ways and i hope if you're just looking for something kind of against the grain and and a little odd and like just the kind of uh off-putting but in a good way i'd check it out i hope you see the beguiled soon because now i'm very curious what you're gonna think between the two movies uh i think the actress you were looking for was florence Pugh. there you go that's yeah and this is the first movie by william moldroid so I looked it up real quick. and uh, Yeah, it's a hell of a debut. Yeah, all right. Well, you've got me more stoked than I was before, thankfully. Uh, I just watched a movie today, and I'm, I'm going to be totally honest with you guys. Uh, so I saw A Ghost Story. Uh, Was that, that the just, A24? Which, say again? Is that the A24 movie? Yeah, okay. yeah. So th- I saw this movie about six hours ago, and... I'm, I've been having a really hard time today collecting my thoughts on reviewing these other movies because a ghost story is still in my head. Now, Will, I know you also saw this sure. movie. 
Yeah, I was going to say, we, we can kind of talk it out a little bit, because sure. I want to hear your thoughts I, on it. This, this movie put me under a spell. Uh, it, sure, it's mesmerizing. It took me in, and I was gripped the entire time. It's a short movie. It's one of the stranger movies you're going to watch this year, and I, I adore sure. this film. I think that th- this is one of my favorite movies of the year. Uh, amazingly, I don't know how this is happening. July wow. is just, for me, a cluster, uh, just a cramped cluster of great films. I-, I think this movie just does something with the very, very simple things that it's talking about. And it gives us Rudy Mara's best performance to date. Um, <laughs> it gives us uh, somehow a human puppet character that is just beautifully and elegantly done and what this movie does with music editing and just simple composition it, there there's no frame wasted here uh there's no shot wasted and a ghost story it took my con- it takes the conventions of what you believe about ghosts spirits the afterlife and life itself and tells a very uh unique tale about it and it explains certain things in entertaining ways. And it's, it, it's fantastic. It's not for everybody. It's a movie that I think a lot of people aren't going to like. Uh, I had an experience with it that I think was very personal and very unique. I think director David Lowry kind of intends for it to be hard to watch. Uh, mm-hmm. If you are a cinemaholic and you are ridiculously courageous and you are mm-hmm. looking for an experience that you've never had before, this this is the movie um, because if it works for you, it's going to work amazingly well. But Will Ashton, <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, this movie is challenging with a capital C. I mean, it's 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 one of those movies that if you're going to go into this movie just solely based on the title, you might be disappointed. Like, it's not a horror movie at all. We should preface that. No, it's not. Right off the bat. I mean, I think most people know that, but some people might see the marquee. If you watch the trailer, you get a good idea. Right. I'm talking about the people who are, like, going to the movies and happen to listen to our podcast, and they're like, oh, they'll they'll just wing it, and they see a ghost story playing at the time they want to go, and they're like, oh, that sounds like a cool horror movie. That's not... This is an existential, supernatural drama. This is not a horror movie. There's, like, one or two jump scares, and, like, that's it. But, yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, this movie was a huge gamble on David Lowry's part. He, like, took this premise that, I mean... Eight out of ten directors, if they did this, they probably would have been laughed out of the theater. Like, it's a movie that it's it's not going to be the type of risk that most filmmakers are going to take. I don't think any other filmmaker really could have done it. Except for Jim Jarmusch. Think, I don't know. I mean, my one complaint with Dave Lowry is I feel like he's almost a little too indebted to Terrence Malick at times. I think he's a better version. So I, feel like- <laughs> I think Terrence Malick oh. does what I think are frankly terrible films that look good. And David Lowry is what I think most people see when they, they see Terrence Malick. From okay, well, Anthem Body on. Saints we'll... to Pete's Dragon to this film. All right, which which Malick movies have you seen, just to be fair? Tree of Life, Knight of Cups. Um, okay, so you haven't seen, like, Badlands or his early... Well, you know, the ones that he's known for, no, but... Well, he's known for Badlands. I mean, that's like his debut. I mean, I'm just saying, like, I, mean, I, just, was, I just wasn't sure if you're talking, like, new Malick or old Malick. But anyway, that's that's beside the point. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. I'm not quite uh, through the roof in love with it, but I definitely liked it a lot. I mean, this is a profound you know, movie experience. I mean, it's easily one of the most mesmerizing movies I've seen this year. I mean, from a cinematography standpoint, the score is 
it's phenomenal. I mean, and uh, I mean, I'm assuming that Casey Affleck is the guy under the sheep, or at least most of them. Uh, I think it's a portion. Um, yeah, yeah. I, there's there's one part of the movie where he's definitely not, and I I can't give it away without going to spoilers. But I think most of the movie he's supposed to be under there. Or they not at least most. imply that not he is. most, and I think that uh, they they you know, do have him for some key scenes, but you can kind of tell, like I said before, this is puppetry. What they're doing in this movie, yeah. not in the sense that there's no one, it, it, literally, like the person under the sheet is a puppet, or they're both the puppeteer and the puppet, and that's one of the things that I think is amazing about this film. What they pull off with the, just the way that a uh, blank expression, how they made a blank expression a moat in very simple scenes. Right. Uh, is more what I, I'm saying, but yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's just two eye holes, and that's it. And but there are times like I mean, I don't know if it's just my mind tricking me, or if it's like actually something did. But it does look like he's like emoting at times. Like, it's, like you sometimes see like a sad face, or sometimes like a pouting face. And I just don't know if that's movie magic, or if that's like something they did intentionally. But I mean, this movie kind of it takes you on a trip, man. And yeah. I think it's one that's worth taking. I mean, if you like to be a little adventurous, like you're saying. If you like movies that challenge you and make you think and, you know, like something that is like our house movie with the capital A, then I'd say check this movie it's, out. But if yeah. you if you hear what we're talking about and you're like, this is totally not my thing, then that's fine. I mean, yeah, Kayla, Kayla saw it with me and she thought it was pretty pretentious and I wasn't able okay. to disagree with her uh, in a way it really is. Right. But it's pretentious, I think, in a way that I think not enough directors, I think sometimes there's a place for that. Uh, per- I think there's only like one scene that's like super pretentious, but that's other than that, I think it's fine. Sure, and it, because he he earns it. Yeah, I think that the artfulness right. is the artistry here is uh, worth every second of it. Um, yeah. I will say that there are two two moments in this movie that I'm I'm storing in my brain because they are two of my favorite moments of the year uh, across all movies. Uh, there is a scene the involving pie eating con- the pie eating scene. No. I think the pie eating scene is very important and crucial. I do not think it is any sort of like groundbreaking achievement overall. I think Rooney Mara does a great job with that, but I do think it's pretty grating. And I, I do think there was a better version of that scene they could have done. However, I was still very impressed. Did you know, did you know that's the first time she ever ate a pie? Oh my gosh. That, well, I mean, (sighs) I, I'm not surprised because when she was eating, it was kind of weird. But I, I think, okay, right. for, for you, you guys don't know what we're talking about. There is a scene for just six minutes where she's just eating a pie and she's basically burying right. herself in her grief. And it's well, it's a fantastic performance. Yeah. It's her coming to grasp with, like, before that, she is in shock and then that's her accepting the loss of her husband. That's basically what's happening in mm-hmm. that scene. It's happening in real time. And it's a weird scene. Like, it's a scene that, like, as we're describing, it sounds like super like why they just cut it down to three minutes. But it, it, when you're watching, it's like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense why they did that. I agree. I agree. Uh, the move, the moments I was talking about though are when she's there's a scene that goes back and forward in uh, time, and I didn't say yep. that like passage of time and what they do with that is so inventive and clever here. There, they do, mm-hmm. they do push it a little too far at one point in the movie, but there, there is a scene where a song is playing in two different points in time, and I mean that that scene just floored me. I, I it it mm-hmm. is so beautifully done, uh, sound wise, and that's what I was talking about in terms of the composition, the music, the editing. It flowed so smoothly, 
And it mm-hmm. was it was very emotional. I, this this movie heightens every emotion, and uh, in a way that makes sense because in the character, the, this ghost character, they, this character is heightened by these emotions. So anyway, uh, and then the other one, there is a monologue. I forget his name. Uh, Will something? This actor. He's he's like half drunk and he gives a monologue about existentialism and being creative and artists and Beethoven that goes on for a very long time and it is so gripping and it should not work because it reminds me of all the times I've been in that situation where that person is talking about something and just BSing uh, a topic and you usually just want to like get that person to shut up but the way that they do it in this movie from a different perspective it works, I think, is beautiful. <laughs> I don't know if you agree. Uh, that's like the one scene that I thought was kind of pretentious. See, I thought honest. that like, that scene worked so I thought, well. I thought that scene was super on the nose and just kind of conveyed everything that we were supposed to take like in. I don't know, like, think so. Science, science because what scenes. it was saying about... Uh, it was talking okay. about what the things that we leave behind, but it also was adding a layer right. to that of like this whole idea of the things that we create creatively. And the fact that he was a struggling musician, it, it was sort of putting the pieces together, I think, in a way that was effective because this is the one... This is one of the very few moments that this ghost character is actually like focusing all in on. And it, I don't know. It, it worked for me. I, I, I can understand. I... Yeah, I mean, I think the beginning of speech works. I just think he talks like like once he keeps going, he just starts to repeat the themes that we already know. It's like okay, we kind of get that, and then they show the same thing. But I get what you're saying. I think it works fine. I just also thought at the same time, like you guys are also putting this a little on the nose, but which it, I which uh, I liked. I think it works okay. in this case. Yeah, that's because fine, it yeah. it kind of had to be on the nose because it, yeah. Anyway, that's a ghost yeah, story. Sure. I, I gave this movie an A minus. Uh, what did you give it? Well, I gave it a B plus. Awesome. So pretty close. All right, with that, Maverick, you've been super patient with us because you did not see a ghost story and you've had to listen to us ramble about ghosts. You're giving me this look and I'm going to spend as much time talking about (laughs) (laughs) these two Netflix things that I saw. Sorry, reviewer, I'm talking about a Netflix show. Please love me still. Um, I watched uh, The Stand-Ups, which is a Netflix series, um, six episodes long. And each is a half-hour installment of... And you watched all of it, didn't you? Yeah, so I'm going to talk about that in a second. Um, And then I also watched uh, a new stand-up special by uh, Rory Scovel. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Um, And it's titled, Tries Stand-Up for the First Time. Is that Gabriel Iglesias' guy or one of those new ones? I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, Oh, wait. I heard about this one. Yeah, go ahead. I I heard... I heard some interesting things about it. Yeah, so I'll start with the stand-ups um, because it's going to be easy to talk about. It, it's pretty hit or miss. Um, I was really excited. I love stand-up comedy. I, I absolutely adore it. Um, and the first comedian that we see, and I don't, I feel bad like criticizing stand-up because you're really just attacking like a single person. It's easy to hide behind attacking a movie because it's like there's so much that goes into it. Um, but the the first art, uh, not art, the first uh, comic that starts off this series is Nate Bergazzi. I think is how pronounce it. When I saw that, I was like, Oh, and I didn't really want to watch the rest of the series. I, I told John about this. I was like, yeah, I watched the first one. and just didn't get me. He had really funny material, but it just wasn't like his delivery just wasn't there for me. It was just 30 minutes. Yeah. And, and I'm fine with a short standup. It was just like, if you're going to do a 30 minute standup, tough, personally, well, yeah. that's what I'm saying. If you're going to do a 30 minute standup and you're going to make a shot of it, like, make sure you have the right people yeah. for that time frame. So after that, I was not excited for the rest of them. Um, but I was like, I'm, I'm going to watch the rest. I will say, um, there are two people on, on this line of six. They were the standout standups. They were f- 
really, really good. And one of them was so good for me because um, I don't, for people who watch Conan, he was a common character on, on Conan too, yep. as I think a, a writer or something, Dion Cole. Um, he had a, a small, you know, an episode and his was really, really funny. I really enjoyed his. And then how far is it into the series? It's the third one. Okay. Yeah. And then the fifth episode is a woman named uh, Beth Stelling or stealing. I don't know how to pronounce it. She was really funny as well. Really, really dry. Just like awesome. Kayla said, I think she said that was the one that she liked the most. Yeah. yeah. Kayla said that was her favorite. And, and then, you know, in between there are a few that are okay. And then there are two that are just like not good yeah. in my opinion. Um, but you know, comedy is all about perception. So it, you could have a complete, yeah, man. it's all very subjective life experience stuff like that. I do think it's worth a watch. If you like stand up comedy and you like to see a lot of different, uh, you know, versions of that, cause there's so many different, you know, genres of stand up. Uh, this is a great way to kind of sit down and watch six people, you know, knock out, um, a short set and, uh, find some new some new favorites i know it's I'm, not a huge time commitment either no and i i mean because of this i'm very much looking forward to seeing what dion cole and best selling uh do next um i basically feel, feel like i just discovered two new set of com, uh, comics yeah. who i enjoy so that's really awesome it's kind of like the comedy uh, central specials again it run, but, yeah. yeah i was just about yeah. to say is this like comedy central presents yeah, it reminded of? me a lot of that yeah and, and that's I, how i, I discovered like jim gaffigan and a lot of great comedians actually yeah I, think, I, I trust your opinion on stand-ups, Maverick, because we both agree about Bo Burnham. Yeah. So, yeah. I was going to say, I think Daniel Tosh's, uh, that half-hour comedy special Tosh, he did, uh, the, his Iglesias. first one, oh, that was like one of my... Anyway, um, so now, uh, this this other special I got, which is a full-length uh, special, 66 minutes long, uh, Rory Scovel tries stand-up for the first time. Um, it's, it's hard, because there were moments in his special that were just absolutely hilarious to me. And then there were a lot of really boring moments for me. Um, and that might come from the fact I, I don't, I honestly can't remember if he addressed it or not. Other the title, um, if it really is his first attempt or not, or if that's just kind of the gimmick thing, I'm not really sure. Uh, but there were moments where it felt like this guy's really doing this for the first time. Like he's never had practice. Um, I think I, I, I loved a lot of the moments because uh, I feel like him and I have a really similar sense of humor in the way that we, like I would, I feel like I would talk about these situations in a lot of this way. So it was really personal for me. Um, funny. I do think he's definitely worth watching because he's very unique talking about, you know, the description is from uh, the comically absurd to the seriously absurd. This guy covers it all. Sex, politics, uh, concrete, and save the date cards. So it's like a pretty general description of, you know, like a stand-up special. Uh, but I think he attempts those topics and that kind of thing uh, pretty uniquely. And it was it was entertaining, you know. Um, so I think he's worth setting up. He's It's a brand new special on Netflix. I, I highly recommend checking it out because he's uh, a little bit different than the normal stuff we're seeing right now. All right, you sold me. Uh, I'm always down for a new Netflix comedy special. They do them really well, so yeah. yeah. All right, well, that'll do it then for this week's episode of Cinemaholics. We're done. We've got That's all the reviews we have. It was a lot. Oh, and... I- yeah, that yeah. I say I'll take a quick moment just to uh, shout. We didn't get to get to you know emails and stuff this week, but thank you guys so much for the continuing you know feedback and comments. Um, we got some really constructive ones this week. Yeah, yeah. Can, you know, if we right, haven't right. responded yet, we will, and uh, we are taking everything you guys say to heart because we use it to make big decisions about the show because we're still young, new, and figuring out what works best for us and you. Absolutely. So I, yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to all those people. I don't I don't have your names in front of me, but you will get your credit when it is time. But we. We really appreciate that you guys feel like you can, you know, send us some stuff, whether it's love or, you know, criticisms or stuff that you want to hear us change. We love it all. So I really appreciate you guys doing that and uh, keep it coming. Absolutely. 
All right. Well, uh, before we go, of course, Will Ashen, what is the best way that people can connect with you on the internets? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the Will of Ash, or you can just, you know what, friend me on Facebook. <laughs> just hang out with us. Uh, on I'm Facebook, better on yeah. Facebook. Yeah, I'm or the Cinemaholics Facebook, which will run. So That's just, right, which yeah, we can't exactly. plug enough. Uh, and of course, Maverick Hines, is there anywhere, anything you want to plug this week? I, I feel like I need to start like doing more things. I feel like I should have more stuff to, you know. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I should probably get out of the house a little bit. You don't let me out of the dungeon often, so yeah. I don't get... Th- well, yeah, you're down there just working on your fishing Instagram, which is fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, Daily Anglers at Instagram. Please follow us. We're if lonely. you like fishing, and even if you don't. Yeah, if you just want to see what I look like. <laughs> yeah, if you want to see big fish. That's right, yeah. big fish. <laughs> um, all right. Real big fish. Uh, the only thing I have to plug this week, uh, please buy my book if you like fantasy because Killer Joy yeah. is now available. It's already getting reviews. People are starting to... Uh, the, first, the first people who got it are finishing it up right now. It's about a week old. And uh, if you read it, uh, let me know what you think. It's now on Amazon Prime. You can get in paperback and ebook. Check it out. And with that, we'll finish out the show. We'll see you guys again next week to talk about Dunkirk and hopefully Valyrian and the City of a Thousand Planets. I think I'm saying that right. I'm looking forward to seeing those two movies this week and talking about them on the show. Hope you guys are as well. And I will see all of you guys on the Facebook page to see what you thought of this episode. With that, from the Internet California, I am John Negroni. From the Internet Pennsylvania, I am Will Ashton. And from a bad intro to every episode, I am Maverick Hines. (laughs) We'll see you guys next time. See ya.